Well, greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. It's a joy to be here to open up God's word with you again. So I would like to invite you to turn with me to the book of Jude, the epistle of Jude. And if you're using one of the church Bibles, it's on page 1027, 1027. Just by way of reminder, as we open the text this evening, Jude is writing to the people of God, those who have been called through the gospel to the faith that is in Jesus Christ. He's writing to them to contend for the faith, but particularly to contend for the faith with those who snuck into the household of God and have gained somewhat of a hearing in the church. He's calling them to contend for the gospel handed down by the apostles to this congregation, contend for this, the faith, against those inside the church, in your midst, that oppose it. Now, thankfully, he just doesn't tell us to contend for the faith and leave us hanging, but we will see in our text tonight, he will actually help us answer the question, okay, Jude, how shall we contend? How do we do this contending that we're called to do? So with that in mind, let's read Jude, verse 17 through 25. This is God's most holy inspired word given to you, his people, that you might be built up in your most holy faith, that you might be able to contend for this faith. So let's pay careful attention to God's word tonight as it's read. This is the word of the Lord. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers. Following their own ungodly passions, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now forever. Amen. This is God's most holy word. Let's give him praise and thanks for his word to us tonight. Our great and glorious God, we again thank you that you have called us here to meet as your people, to have the covenant renewed, to be reminded that you've made precious promises to your people, and those promises stand for your church today. Lord, we thank you that in Christ we've been reconciled to you. By faith in him, we have been given a new life and a new uh, way of living in the world. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. You've given us the church to walk in this veil of tears together that we might contend for the faith, for your glory, and for our joy. Lord, we pray that this evening as we consider this question before us, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word. You'd open our ears to hear the glorious news of the gospel, and that, Lord, you would conform us more and more to the image of your most beloved Son, our Lord, our King, our Master, Jesus Christ. 
We pray all this in his glorious, death-defeating, sin-conquering name. Amen. I want to ask you, like, if you've ever been in the situation where someone has demanded you to perform some task or some duty or some project prior to training, prior to be showing how to do it. It would be like a student maybe in third grade being handed a calculus test and the teacher sets it in front of them. This, look, the student looks at it and it says, okay, 15-minute quiz, do your best. How shall I even take this test? I'm working on my multiplication tables, teacher. Let's show me how to do this. Give it your best shot. You will be graded, and it will go into the grade book. But how? Or consider a, a, a soldier sent to boot camp. It's his first week. He's just got his, his gear, and they ring up immediately. Hey, we're sending you right into the war zone. We have a special mission just for you, and you're going solo. You're going to be our, our, our Marine, our, our Army Ranger that we're going to send in. And he's like, I'm in boot camp. Like, are you going to show me how to do the work? Oftentimes we hear exhortations and we're given these charges from the scripture. And oftentimes I wonder, okay, preacher, show me how. Okay, Father, by your grace, Show me how it's done. Jude, I hear what you're saying. Contend for the faith, once for all delivered. But please, show us how. And by God's providence, the Spirit's inspiration, and Jude's obedience to that leading in his life, he answers the question for us. Okay, teacher, how shall we contend? And he does this by first showing us who it is that we are contending against. He tells the, the church there, he says to them, but you must remember, you must recall, beloved. There's that term of affection. He, he, that shepherd's heart is pouring out toward them. My beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, remember their words to you. They said to you in verse 18, it says, they said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers. You have an opponent who will rise up within the church. Don't be surprised at this. The apostles told you underneath the lordship of Christ, they spoke to you the word of God. And when they spoke to you, they warned you that in the last time, there will be people who rise up even within the church. And he calls them scoffers. They are scoffers. But remember also who you are. Look at verse 20. He repeats that term of affection. He says, they're scoffers, but you, you're God's beloved. You're God's treasured, loved possession whom he set his affections on. They're scoffers, but remember also who you are. Knowing who you are, remember that scoffers will rise up among you, those who oppose the very word of the gospel. They're just not merely against it, they, they're not merely just disagreeing with the proclamation of the gospel. They hate it in such a way that they preach against it. Remember what Jude said. He said that these ungodly ones who, you're in, who are in your midst, they, perverse, they pervert the grace of God the Father, and they deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. They oppose him publicly, and they scoff at him. That's what it means to scoff. To speak against, to mock 
to belittle. Scoffers will rise in your midst. That's who your opponents are. Those who speak against your master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Those who pervert the grace that you've been given in God the Father. Those are the scoffers. But notice the outcome of their lives. These scoffers, they follow their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Do you see that? These scoffers, they're wrecking balls. They love to cause division. They like to tear things down. But you are called to build. Beloved, in verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, see the difference here between the people of God and those who scoff. The beloved people of God are builders. Scoffers are wrecking balls. They cause divisions. Their authority is their dreams, their whims, their wishes. And it says right here in the text, they follow their own ungodly passions. They're ungodly. They're opposed to the ethic of the kingdom of Christ. Doing good works that God had foreordained for you to walk in. They are opposed to that kind of life. They follow their guts. They follow their lust. They follow their own desires. Jude, remember earlier in the book, he says that they are devoted to sensuality. Let's just say it straight. They commit themselves to seeking out opportunities to express sexual immorality. That's how they pervert the grace of God. They think the grace of God, the gospel, is licensed for them to live however they want to live. They follow their own ungodly passions. But not you. You're devoted to not only building yourselves up, but you're devoted to building yourselves up in what? Your most holy faith. The set-apartness. You're no longer following the way of the world. You're now devoted to the desires that the Lord brings to the people of God in their hearts. They follow their ungodly passions, but you seek to live holy lives. And then he says in verse 19, it is not only these who cause divisions, but they're worldly people. They're people who are not committed to the kingdom. They are people who are not devoted to the Lord's work in the world. No, they seek to do their own thing, and they live just like the world, not like the sanctified people of God. They're godless. They live as if God is not in the world. That's what worldly people do. But not you, beloved. You're not like that. You hate what Jude says. You hate the garment stained by the flesh. You seek holiness. You pursue righteousness. You're not pursuing the way of the world. Do you see the contrast here between the beloved and the scoffers? Lastly, he says that they're devoid of the Spirit. But the beloved of God are people who pray in the Holy Spirit. Through this contrast of the scoffers and the beloved, I hope you see who your opponents are. But I hope that you're noting who you are and now what you ought to do in light of God's revealed truth to you. How shall you contend? Well, there's a way of contending for the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church and in the world without being contentious. Without being obnoxious. 
without being hateful, angry, and mean. And the way to do that, Jude shows us in verse 20, he says again, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. How shall we contend personally as individuals living in the context of the covenant community? Notice these words, building, praying, keeping, and waiting. Building yourselves up in that theological Christian virtue. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Go to the foundation by which you have heard the good news of the gospel. Go back to the basics of the gospel, of what God has done in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Remember that, rehearse that, recite that, and then go out and share that. How would you build yourself up in your most holy faith? First, you need to remember the faith. You need to go back to the word of God and read the word of God, memorize the word of God, seek to have tons of input of what God has said about his Lord and his Messiah, the anointed whom he's established, and remember these things. Rehearse them, recite them. That's how you build yourself up. Just like someone who's building their body in a gymnasium, they go and they condition themselves. They train their bodies over and over and over. So at the time of need, they can perform the deed that is required of them in that time and space of testing. You will be tested because scoffers will rise up in your midst. So build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Again, how do we do this? Go back to the basics. Go back to the source of how you learned the faith. Go to the word of God. Read it. Hunger for it. Crave it. But don't just read it. Remember it. Commit it to memory. So that as you go out, whether you're driving, whether you're walking, whether you're one of those people who run, whatever you're doing, whether you're at Walmart or whether you're sitting in church, that you can recite what you have heard in your faith. Build yourselves up. Condition yourselves up in the faith. Your most holy faith. How can we contend? First, we need to build ourselves up. Only those who are devoted to building are those who will ever be able to contend. How can you contend for something you don't know anything about? You must build yourselves up by devoting yourself to the faith that you've received once and for all in its completion and its perfection from the apostles. Go back to their testimony and read it again so that you can actually contend for it. But then Jude says also that you ought to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now as one who grew up in a Pentecostal tradition, I have an informed imagination about what that looks like in different traditions. So when I read this in the text, I was like, okay, what does it mean? I need to read it again as if for the first time. What does this mean, praying in the Holy Spirit? Is it some kind of emotional electricity that urges through my body when I pray? Is that how I know I'm praying in the Holy Spirit? Is it only after long periods of fasting and I have visions and dreams? Is that when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit? Well, actually, no. 
There's a way of praying in the Holy Spirit. And Paul is actually very helpful in his book to the Ephesians. He says to them, he says that we ought to at all times pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. But then he shows us what this looks like. He says, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So he says, pray at all times in the Holy Spirit. But what does that look like? Praying in the Holy Spirit is praying in and with the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is praying in and with you. Let me flesh that out. He says, pray at all times, and to this end, keep alert with all perseverance. Praying in the Spirit is persevering prayer. It's prayer that does not give up. It knocks at the door of heaven, and it keeps knocking. It doesn't stop knocking until it gets the answer. It's persevering prayer that goes and asks and keeps asking and doesn't stop asking until it gets the answer. It's the kind of prayer that seeks and searches and keeps looking until it finds what it is that the heart is craving to see, namely, more of Jesus. Praying in the Spirit is persevering prayer, but it's also a prayer that makes supplication for all the saints. The prayer wants to see, the Spirit wants to see the church built up as the people of God. The church wants, the spirit wants to see the church grow in holiness and grow in maturity and grow in devotion to her king. So Paul says to the church, he says, pray with all supplication, but pray for all the saints. Pray for one another. The spirit is praying for you. Therefore, in praying in the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit, we begin to pray for one another. We pray that we will know the faith, that we will contend for the faith that we will stand together for the faith in the household of God and faithfully in, out inside the world. Pray for one another. Persevere. Go to, the go to the gates of heaven and appeal to meet with your king and your master in prayer and pray for the saints. But then he also says that we would pray for the expansion of the gospel. Pray for the expansion of the gospel Praying in the Spirit also includes this desire to see the gospel go forth. Paul says, pray for me that I might be given, uh, that it might be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. See what he's asking? Pray in the Spirit that the gospel would go forth. That the nations would hear and be glad. That sinners would hear and turn and receive the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ alone and be made alive in him and reconciled to God the Father Praying in the Spirit is praying with the Spirit as he prays in and with you. In Romans, Paul says that the Spirit prays with us and for us when we don't know what to pray. And sometimes it's just groaning. And the Spirit makes that effective. But his prayers include that you would persevere in that prayer. And that you would pray for the building up of the church, the saints of God. And that you would pray in the spirit for the expansion of the gospel. That the gospel would go forth. 
Pray that the Spirit would use your words, your life, to see the gospel go forward in your work, in your families, in your neighborhoods, wherever your feet find you. That's what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. So how do you contend? You contend by building. You contend by praying. And you contend by keeping yourselves in the love of God. Remember where you were when you heard the gospel. Remember what it was that you heard. Was it not the love of God towards sinners like yourselves and like myself? How gracious and how merciful, how full of love and steadfast faithfulness the Lord is and that he's a God who forgives sins and iniquities, that he's a God who meets people at rock bottom and raises them up and exalts them. Is it not the gospel that speaks to the dead man? Arise, wake, come forth. Is it not the gospel that speaks into the darkness and says, let there be light? Remember the gospel that you heard about the love of God toward you in Christ? Keep yourselves there. Don't forget it. Stand there. Guard that truth. Guard that precious jewel. Guard that precious pearl that you have given everything to to obtain. And keep it, guard it, just as God is keeping and guarding you by and in his love. Keep yourselves in the love of God by remembering the love of God toward you in Christ. Contend for the faith personally by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and keeping yourselves in the love of God. While you wait, while you wait, I hope that you've seen this flow of faith and love. Now here we have in this last exhortation is in this waiting, this idea of that other Christian virtue, that theological virtue, hope. Have you seen it? Faith, love, and here is hope. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Expect, anticipate, wait for the promise that God has made to you, the mercy he's offering to you, eternal life at the coming of, Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope in him. Put your confidence in him. Remember that you're not alone in the world, that God is mindful of you, and he will keep his covenant to you. If he said he would deliver He will. If he said he would save, he will. If he said for all those who call on me and turn their eyes toward me, I will turn my eyes toward them and I will act. What hope do we have? As you wait, wait for the mercy with great hope, knowing that the Lord will fulfill his promise to you. How do we contend personally? We contend personally by building, praying, keeping and waiting. But now we have to consider how do we contend for the faith with those who oppose us in the context of the church? I would expect you to say, go identify them, out them, and then remove them. 
Go to those troublemakers, look them in the eyes, tell them what for, and get rid of them. And then you're supposed to, just like Jesus did to me in my sin, in my opposition, in my scoffing, is that what the Lord did to me? No. The Lord came to us in our rebellion, in our unbelief, in our hardness of heart, in, un- in our ungodliness, in our worldliness. Jesus broke into that reality, and he came to us with his mercy, and he preached the gospel to us. And by the powerful working of the Spirit in our hearts, we turned, we heard, we believed, and we were saved. And Jude knows that, and you know that. And so he says, what should you do? How do you contend with those who are unfaithful, who are ungodly, who are opposing? Well, verse 22 says, have mercy. Have mercy on those who doubt. Just as the heart of Christ went out toward those who were like sheep without a shepherd, oppressed, forgotten, alone, wandering in the wilderness place. Jesus' heart goes out to them. He has compassion on them. And we too ought to have mercy and compassion on those who doubt. We should not shame them. We should not try to one-up them or out-argue them. But from a heart of mercy, Proclaim the good news that we've received from God to them with a broken heart extended out to them in compassion and mercy, appealing for them to cling to Jesus. Remember, remember the gospel that you are building your lives upon, that you're praying about, that you keep yourselves in, and that you are waiting for the mercy. That mercy, let it go out toward others as you contend for the faith. Show mercy to those who doubt. But then in verse 23, he says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. There are those who are doubting, who are just sitting in their doubt and their discouragement, and they're just sitting. There's the door, and here's the church, and they just don't know which way to go. Have mercy on them. But then there are those who have gone and are beginning to dance with the ways of the world, with the lust of the flesh, with the fire of ungodliness. And they've got maybe one foot out the door or they've stepped out and they're entertaining the idea. But they don't realize they're in a burning house once they exit this house. And Jude says... Have mercy on them. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. If you can reach them, go to them. Appeal to them. Call out to them. Cry out for them and snatch them out of the fire. 30 years ago, on February 7th, I woke up on my birthday to my grandparents singing happy birthday to me on a wireless phone. Cordless phone. Before we had cell phones, I'm old. Back in the day. I was 14 years old on that day. My grandparents began to sing to me, happy birthday to you. And I hear them singing, but downstairs I hear my mother screaming, get out of the house, it's on fire. Nathan, Amy, Stacy, the house is on fire. Listen to me, happy birthday to you. And I'm just like, what is going on? 
And I obey my mother. I ran downstairs, and I look in the kitchen. I see it explode. And I walk down the other side of the stairs, and I keep running, and I get to this door, and I'm about to hit the steps to go down into the front yard, and I remember, Grandpa Crane gave me a $20 bill last night. And I went upstairs, and I snatched that thing off my snare drum and ran back out of the house, and my mother snatched me. (laughs) 20 bucks. Real fire. Real danger. Real threat. How much more valuable are the souls that God has called us to appeal to with hearts of mercy. Because eternity is at stake. So we go and we try to snatch them out of the fire. We cry out, leave that house, it's on fire. Get out, run back to your refuges, run to Christ. Brothers and sisters, friends, if you are here and you're dancing with the fire, get out now. The Lord is merciful to you now, and he's been merciful to me. Come back to Jesus. Return to your master and your savior and your Lord. If you've not yet turned to him and you're in the fire, get out. Because the fire is real, and eternity is long. And God says, snatch them now, because our, not, our job is not to say, go to hell. That's not our job. Remember, Michael, the Lord rebuke you. How dare we ever condemn anybody? No, we should show mercy to them by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others, show mercy with fear. Those who've gone so far into the fire that you can't reach them, show mercy to them with fear, knowing that the judgment that's going to come is real. Don't give up on them. Preach the gospel to them from a heart of mercy, knowing the reality that is awaiting them if they don't turn to Christ. And then he says, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That garment that was underneath the first century world garment they would wear close to their skin. This garment could easily be stained, could easily be corrupted if it was not frequently washed or changed, if it wasn't cleansed. And this idea of this garment stained by the flesh is that garment stained by sensuality, sexual immorality, greed, pride, vanity. He says, hate that garment. But hate it in such a way that you call people to take off the old man and put on the new man. Take off the old garment stained by the flesh and be clothed in Christ. Notice he says, hate the garment not those who wear it. No, you're supposed to show mercy to all. And that's how we contend for the faith. Knowing who we are in Christ, 
We take what we receive from him and we give it to others. Brothers and sisters, this is not easy work. This is not hard work. But it is a work that you and I are called to do. And as you've been reading through the gospel, I mean, excuse me, the epistle of Jude with me, and we've been studying this together, notice that he never says, now to the elders of the church, contend for the faith. To the deacons of the church, contend for the faith. To the wise among you and the educated among you and to the wealthy among you, contend for the faith. No, this epistle was written to the church. To the oldest and the youngest. To the wisest and to the beginner. All of us are called to contend for the faith. And Jude has showed us how. But he leaves us with a precious blessing on our heads. Knowing that the work is hard and that all of us are called to do this, to contend for the faith, he prays for us. He prays in the Spirit for us. And his prayer is, for you and for me, now to him, who is able to keep you in all of your contending, in all of your life together, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. He prays that praying that you will hear and heed the call to contend, trusting and believing that the Lord will bring success to his church as they faithfully bear witness and contend for the gospel in the household of God and also in the world. As you do this, know that the Lord will bring you safely through. It looks like it's dangerous and and it's difficult and it's hard and you are right. But consider who it is that's calling you and leading you. The only God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He will get the glory. He will get the majesty. Why? Because he has all dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. That includes you and I. That includes us all. We can contend knowing that the Spirit of God, working in and by his word in our hearts to bring about salvation, will also bring about salvation in others as we contend for the faith with hearts of mercy. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord God, our Father and His Son, King Jesus, be merciful to us as we seek to contend for the faith and show mercy to others. There is a way to contend without being contentious. And it begins by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, and waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And as you're doing that, show mercy. Show mercy. And you will receive the mercy that the Lord has promised to you. Amen.